Good morning and welcome to Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. In honor of our 300th celebrity episode, we would like to welcome the one and only Grammy Award winning recording artist, Mr. Billy Vera. Good morning welcome to Lifebox Media Channel Radio Podcast. Today it's my esteemed pleasure to have on. He is a Grammy Award winning recording artist. He is an author. He is Billy Vera. How are you today? I'm great. How are you, buddy? Thank you so much for taking the time to come on, my friend. It is, it is such a pleasure to have you on. We're celebrating our 300th episode, and man, there was nobody I wanted to have more than you to come on the show, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Well, congratulations on 300 shows. That's pretty great, man. Thank you so much. I mean, how you been holding up through everything, man? I mean, you know, you've been you've been so you know busy over the years. And it seems like you're keeping going because, I mean, you know, you're writing books. You've got a uh, great CD out, uh, Timeless. I mean, you're keeping it going on. man. how you been holding up through all the pandemic? Oh, no, not a problem at all. You know, I live a, a fairly solitary life anyway, so it didn't bother <laughs> me that much. <laughs> you know, um, has it stirred your creative juices? Uh, well, in terms of my, my book writing and uh, article writing, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, and we're itching to we're itching to, to get back performing again. We got a we got a job coming up on July twenty fourth, so that'll be our first time with the whole band back back doing it again. So we sold out the, the tickets sold out the first day, so we're okay. Oh, uh, that's my birthday! Congratulations on that one, man. That's awesome. Well, happy birthday in advance, man. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Where's the show at? Place called Vitello's in uh, in Studio City, just uh, over the hills in the in the in the infamous valley in in uh, L.A. Yes, sir. That's that that's awesome. You know, it, it's it's funny listening to your music. You know, it, it kind of stops traffic literally. And I use that old saying as it is, but you know, you have a classic classic voice, and and it stands up through the end of time. So I mean, the timeless your CD is a great title because I you know that idea of there's just certain things you just hear songs and it grabs your attention. And you have one of those one of those voices and 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 it goes just it just kind of transcends. Who did you grow up listening to? Well, as a kid, you know, I I I came up I can't I turned 11 and 12 when rock and roll hit. You know, so I was listening to Fats Domino and Chuck Berry and Little Richard and Frankie Lyman and people like that as a kid. And then I grew into uh, people like Ray Charles, who became a, a special hero of mine, uh, you know, and, and on, on, on and on like that. You know? I mean, well, I mean, you can obviously tell the the huge rock and roll and R&B and, you know, either you have that sound or you don't. Did you recognize early on that you kind of had that bluesy grind, but yet you could wail at the same time? I, I don't know that it was a conscious thing. Uh, you know, I just sang, I, I listened to who I liked. And, you know, my mother was in show business, so she she was uh, on the Perry Como show as a, one of the background singers. And so she had pretty good taste in music also of, of an earlier period. So she would bring home albums by, you know, Frank Sinatra or Nat Cole or Duke Ellington, and Nancy Wilson, people like that. So I, I was also listening to those uh, at the same time as I was listening to the music of my generation. So I, I, I think just listening and absorbing all that, uh, you know, it, eventually it just came out as, as me. 
Right. Now, you, did you ever happen to have the opportunity to meet uh, Perry Como? Uh, well, sometimes she would take me to the show when I was a young fella, and I'd, I'd sit there in the dressing room with all the half-naked dancers and singers, and, <laughs> and, and I kind of liked that an awful lot. And I, 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 I did remember her introducing me to Mr. Como. I, you know, he shook my hand. He was very, you know, nice fellow. I, from what I could tell, it that at a quick glance like that. Right. I mean, you know, a legendary performer and crooner before, you know, you know, I mean, he was one of the Mac Daddies back then. I mean, you know, he was sitting on top. Oh, yeah. And, and every Saturday night, that was a, the most popular show on, on television on Saturday nights. And, you know, people would just tune in. And, and he'd have all kinds of people on there. In fact, he, he had Fats Domino on the show one time. Unfortunately, I wasn't there that night. <laughs> I didn't get to see Fat because I, I really love Fats. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Don't you think that he's uh, underappreciated in the music genre that, you know, we hear him and we know he was great and everything else is, but I don't feel he gets enough recognition. You mean, you talking about Fats? Yes, sir. Uh, well, I think, you know, it, it may be something as, as simple and stupid as, you know, Fats didn't play guitar. Because, you know, as rock and roll came along, people seemed to gravitate toward guitar-playing singers. You know, Elvis, Chuck Berry, and all that. But Fats just sat down at the piano, and he didn't do anything crazy. Uh, you know, although his music would make people, you know, kids crazy. Right. But, but he, you know, he wasn't crazy like Jerry Lee or like Little Richard. He was, he was kind of calm. And his voice it had a very calming effect. Even on his up-tempo songs, like I'm Walking and, and songs like that. But uh, I, I don't know why. You know, he had more hits right. than, than Chuck and Jerry Lee and Buddy Holly and, and Little Richard put together. You know, he was one of the most... I, I remember years ago once looking at a... You know, my, we, we subscribed to Cashbox magazine at our house. And uh, they, they gave a list of the of the who had the most gold records, million sellers. And Bing Crosby was number one with 27. This is a long time ago. Right. And then Elvis and the Beatles were number two, tied for number two with 22 gold records. And number three was Fats Domino with 18. So That's amazing. I, I didn't even was, know that. I knew he had a lot of hits, but I didn't know... Yeah. I didn't know it was that many, you know. I mean, I guess, like I said, I guess he's very underappreciated. Yeah, you know, one of one of my great thrills was uh, when I started writing songs. He he cut one of my tunes. What was what was that? Well, he made an album called Fats Is Back on Reprise Records, right. the Warner Brothers label, and uh, and uh, and he cut uh, a song that Chip Taylor and I wrote called "Make Me Belong to You," which oh. had been a hit for Barbara Lewis. And uh, somehow uh, the, the producer, uh, Richard Perry, he got it to Fats, and Fats liked it. And when I finally met him some years later, I was introduced to him, and, uh, and uh, they said, yeah, this, this is Billy Berry, you, you cut a song of his. He said, oh, yeah, which one? And, and, and I said, make me belong to you. And he started singing it. Oh. And it, it wasn't a hit, you know? And, and I said, I, I said, wow, he, he remembers that song. He said, "Yeah." He said, "I, you know, I have five children, and that's their, that's their favorite of all my songs." Oh. So I thought he was just blowing smoke, you know. 
Right. Just trying to make me feel good. But years later, when I moved to California, I, I was befriended by a fellow named Paul Gayton, who grew up with Fats. Paul had a was the first rhythm and blues artist out of New Orleans to have a hit record in 1947. So I, so I said I told Paul that story, and he said, "Oh yeah, you know." He said Fats wasn't uh, uh, wasn't kidding you. Uh, uh, you. Can we use a, 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 a bad word on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, he said. He said if Fats said it, he meant it. Cause Fats is not sophisticated enough to bullshit. <laughs> I love that. That is that is really cool, man. I mean, see, see stories like that. I, I love that, and that's the part of you know you know truth is better than fiction. You know, and, oh, and, always. And you know something like that is is just amazing because again, if if you know we would you wouldn't have brought up Fats Domino today. You know, we would have, we would have gone around a whole lot of other singers and stuff that have influenced you, but I'm so glad you did because uh, you know we my, my audience is learning things that you know we didn't know as I am. So I really appreciate yeah. you sharing that, man. Thank you. Well, um, my pleasure. You know, now you you're also known as a very accomplished songwriter, and I, and I have to I asked all my great singer songwriters this: Are you one of these people that sits down and says, "Okay, today I'm writing a song," or is it when the spirit gets you, or when you hear a hook, or is it all the above? Well, I started out, uh, you know, writing songs, you know, on my mother's piano, and uh, when I when I realized that I could actually sell these things uh, <laughs> and take them to publishers, and they'd give you a little advance, uh, cash advance, and, and, sure. and they would try to get your songs recorded by other people, the first song I ever took to a publisher got recorded by Ricky Nelson and nice. became a, a, a minor hit record for him. Nice. Oh, I, I loved Ricky. I loved Ricky. I just had Matthew on not too long ago. Oh yeah, Ricky was Ricky was a much underrated uh, artist. Yes, sir. How does, how does it feel record. like when you hear? I mean, and, and you're very accomplished, obviously. <clears throat> Excuse me, but when you hear, you know, these these legendary artists that have put out your music today, do you still pop if you flip on the radio and you hear somebody doing one of your songs? I I love it. You know, I mean. Even the bad ones, you know, <laughs> you know, because some of them, some some of them just they just don't get the get the song, they don't get the meaning, they don't get you know, they or they'll they'll over like with at this moment, I've had a lot of covers on that song, right? And and a lot of these people, for some reason, because it's an emotional song, they kind of oversing it, you know, they go a little bit too melodramatic with it, but you know, I think I think Michael Bublé did a good version, right? Uh, and he's, he sold about ten and a half million records. <laughs> so I really like his version. He, he, he did all right. He, he a good kid. He did all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, when a, when a Dolly Parton or a Bonnie Ray, you know, I mean, they they when they did my songs, they they, they were great. You know, they really they really got it. Uh, Etta James, the same thing. Uh, you know, so. Man, that's just Etta James, just another another name just to, to grab like that. I mean, to sit there and say she did one of your songs is just amazing. I mean, do you, do you get more satisfaction as a songwriter or a singer? Do you have a favorite in the two? No, not really. I mean, I, I, I like singing my own songs, but I, it, it, it's, it's very satisfying when, when somebody, uh, you know, wants to record one of my songs, you know, especially if they sell some. Records. <laughs> you know, you know, early on in my career, I, I worked as a staff songwriter for a music publisher, 
and what you would do is you'd go in there, you know, Monday through Friday, and you'd, you'd, you'd sit in this little tiny office with a little tiny piano, and your boss would knock on the door, and he'd say, he'd say oh, so, oh, the drifters are coming up for a date uh, on next week, or Tony Bennett's going to record. So you would have to, you would have to figure out what their vocal range is, what kind of subject matter that that artist likes to sing about, and so you would craft a song specifically for that person if you could. Right. And and that was your job, you know. So uh, you, you know, or, or if you had to, if you had, to, if you were writing for a female artist, you'd have to write from a female point of view, you know, which is often very different than from a male point of view. Right. Well, I mean, how, writing a song for Eddie James or Dolly Parton, I mean, my gosh, writing a song for the incredible Dolly Parton, I mean, a legendary singer, how how is it, you know, I mean, obviously then it was a little prior to her, um, she was already great, but, you know, now everybody knows who she is in a worldwide level of legendary status, but writing for Dolly, a very intelligent woman, great songwriter herself, um... That's got to be real. I mean, because she's an awesome songwriter, and people don't realize that. So you having a song recorded by Dolly Parton that you know hits great with her. I mean, that that's really awesome to have. So I mean, did you just sit down and say, "Okay, look, this is for Dolly Parton"? No, no. A friend of mine was going to record Nancy Sinatra, and he asked me to come up with something. He needed a song for her, and uh, so I knocked it out in about you know twenty minutes. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and I, I put in lines that I thought would uh, appeal to Nancy specifically, like, I love my daddy, but it really don't matter what my daddy might say. <laughs> in, you know, referring to her father, Frank. Right. Well, she hated the song. Oh. And thank, thank God she did, because, you know, my friend got mad. He said, he said, he said this is a number one song if I ever heard one. He said, you got to do something with this song. So I, 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 I went in and recorded it with this, this local girl who was kind of lazy and she didn't really learn the song properly. And and everywhere we took the little record we made, they said, love the song, hate the girl. Oh, <laughs> but finally, I, 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 my last, the last guy on my list, I went to him and, he, and he, he said, love the song, hate the girl, but we're recording Dolly next week. He said, let me have the song for her. I said, sure, you bet. <laughs> you know, and, and that became a number one country record for me. And that's also cool, also because of the fact that you have songs in different genres that you've written for other people as well that have made, you know, I, I don't know, I think that that type of songwriting is a little, um, maybe you lost, that somebody can look at, I want to write this for Dolly Parton, I'm going to write this for such and such. I mean, do you, you think that a little bit of that's lost today in songwriting? Yeah, sadly, because, uh, you know, after the, after the Beatles and the Bob Dylans came along, you know, everybody thought they could write songs, right. all these artists, and they wanted to make the extra money. <laughs> well, you know, the, look at the Stones. In the beginning, they recorded all these great covers of, of great R&B and country songs. Right. And, and then somebody finally told them, hey, listen, you know, you make twice the money if you if you write them yourself. And so that they started writing songs. But, you know, most people that, that can sing aren't really terrific writers. And so what we're missing is professional songwriters that, that, that you're going to get better songs generally from professional songwriters than you are from artists. Right. I mean, well, I mean, look, Elvis, king of rock and roll, I mean, he was not known for his writing. I mean, uh, you know, no. it wasn't, 
It wasn't, uh, you know, and, and any time he wanted to dabble in it, uh, I mean, he wanted to, I, I will always love you by Dolly Parton, but the colonel got involved, you know, <laughs> so that kind of didn't yeah. work, you know, yeah. but I, I can just imagine the idea of today of people sitting down and uh, saying, okay, I'm writing for Carrie Underwood today and uh, such and such tomorrow. I just don't see, you know, a lot of people looking at, especially a guy sitting down writing a girl's song or vice versa today. I don't, I don't see this much as I think I did back in the day. No, it's 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 kind of it kind of saddens me to to see that too because it's it's a lost art. It's becoming a lost art. Because because I can't imagine today in a record studio somebody coming in and saying, "Okay, hey, look, by the way, I have Bob Dylan, Johnny Rivers, and and, and Billy Vera, and I need you to write songs for all of them." Plus, so by the way, Nancy Sinatra and Dolly Parton, and put it all on the list, and you're supposed to sit there and three or four of you guys in the studio pen some songs. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I mean, that is kind of crazy now, right? Yeah, it, it doesn't it really doesn't happen. I mean, today, what I from what I see, I don't really pay a lot of attention to what's going on today. I'm, I'm afraid, but uh, you know, you do see a, a lot of a lot of writers some now on songs. Right. So they'll they'll even give the bass player a, a, a piece of the song. <laughs> Which I think is kind of ridiculous, but you know, who knows? You know? Right, right, right. You also had a big hit with Bobby Goldsboro. I mean, what what was that like? I mean, because I remember when he was on cereal boxes as a kid, man. <laughs> yeah, well, what had happened was, you know, I had I had uh, two hits as half of a duo, Billy Vera and Judy Clay. We had a, we had Storybook Children and Country Girl City Man. Right. And and she was signed. We were both signed to Atlantic. She was, but she was. She came to Atlantic by way of Stax Records, uh, and so she, when the distribution deal between Atlantic and Stax ended, uh, she could no longer contractually record on Atlantic with me. So, but Jerry Wexler, the big boss at Atlantic Records, uh, he called me up and said, uh, "Listen, I, I don't worry. I, I found a great song for you on Bobby Goldsboro's album." He said, uh, uh, "You know." When can you when can you get in here? So I, I went in there. We recorded it, and it became a, a hit for me. Uh, is it true that that's a, is it true that they would just sometimes just pick up the phone and it was like not now but right now, and you need to get your butt over to wherever it had to be happened to be. You know, sometimes I, I remember a story. You remember, do you remember a singer named Kay Star? Yes, very very much so. From the fifties, she's a great singer, and uh, she was on Capitol Records, and she told me. That uh, that she was she had gone to bed, uh, and 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 her her producer at Capitol, Dave Cavanaugh, uh, called her up eleven o'clock at night and said, "Get over here right now." He said, "I got a song that's it's going to be a, a a million seller, and we got to record it quick before somebody else gets it." <laughs> so it, it, the song it was called Wheel of Fortune, right? And it had already uh, been out by a couple of artists, one of which. Uh, Sonny Gale was was coming up on the charts on a smaller company, and uh, so so Dave just thought this would be the perfect song for Kay, and so he got her in there late at night, and they made the record and put it out like the next day, practically. And uh, uh, of course, Kay had the big hit with it, you know. Right. Capital Capital was a big record, a really well run right. company. That's amazing. That is see, and, and see, that's crazy. I mean, just to think about that. Hey, look, right now, get over here. You know, basically, in the middle of the night, and you're going to get it done. And 
so you could have it out. That's just, it's just so technical to today's standards, you know, of, you know, you got, you got a year to put the album out. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Well, with, with, uh, with, with my record of with Pen in Hand, you know, the Bobby Goldsboro song, uh, Wexler knew that, that people, that it was a great song and people were going to want to cover it. Because uh, especially when they found out that, that Bobby's version wasn't going to come out as the single, it was only going to be an album cut. Uh-huh. So, so we recorded it on a, at nine o'clock in the, uh, in the morning on a Friday, and over the weekend he had test pressings made, and and uh, overnighted out to every radio station in the country, and and by Monday morning it was on the radio. Jeez. That's how fast those guys could work when they really wanted something. <laughs> and, and to think overnight back then was a production. You didn't have you didn't have FedEx delivering to everybody's house back then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, was right. a really big deal. Yeah, it cost them must have cost them a bundle to do that. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that because you know you and I think, oh man, fifteen bucks. Oh, oh, okay, Billy, I'll send it to you for tomorrow. You know, what I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and and it's done, right? You know, what I mean, but back then that was some serious deal. I mean, we. Even even a UPS truck was something to see, you know. Right. I mean, right. Now, now with you, with you, I mean, you have such a uh, you know an orchestra type feeling with your bands and everything else. Are you? Did you like formally train on the piano and everything else since your mom was in show business and stuff? Uh, I I I did take some lessons. You know, I I'm, I I always tell people I I play piano like a songwriter. You know, you know, I, I couldn't really, I, I could never make a living as a piano player, put it that way. Right, right. Okay, I got you. But you know, you're you're so equipped to have the the horns and 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 just it, it just always sounds like you have it's like you have the tower of power behind you all the time. It's like people expect to see you walking down the street, you'd break in a song, they'd be following you. you know I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, the 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 idea was about the horns was because I always liked Fats and Little Richard and Ray Charles. And they all had horn bands, you know. So I, I always loved the sound of saxophones. Uh, so that's that's why we did that with the Beaters. You know, and a phenomenal band, by the way. I think again, another band that doesn't get enough love because of the fact that your band has such a classic sound. Um, you're like a Tommy Dorsey orchestra type thing, man. I mean, and I mean that as a huge compliment. I hope you understand that. I do. Thank you. You know, that is one of those things. Um, Matthew Nelson and I were talking about the fact of you know his dad Ozzy's big band time stuff like that. You sound like you just have that in a deal, and I don't know how many people were playing on that like at this moment when you recorded it, but it just sounded like like you had the whole theater to yourself. Well, yeah, we we recorded it as you know live uh, at a at a club club out here called the Roxy, which at the time was the top club in L.A. Right, and it was just uh, it, let's see, it was four saxes. Uh, regular rhythm section, you know, guitar, bass, piano, and drums, and we had a steel, a pedal steel guitar player at the time, who was, uh, if you if you know a guy named uh, Jeff Skunk Baxter. Yes, sir. He, he was in the band at the time, and I, I, I added the, the steel player because I I had I had listened a lot to Bob Wills and the Texas Playboys old records, and I liked I liked that combination of adding. You know, a steel to a horn band, or vice versa. And I, I thought that was kind of unique. You know, nobody else had done that, especially at the time we came along. That's what I was going to sit there and say. I don't remember anybody that I've seen. I mean, there might be, but I don't remember anybody I've seen back in that time period or prior to that. I mean, 
dropping a steel guitar in that mix and and the sound of of, of the blends you would think would kind of stand out in a different way and it was it, it's a look you you're known for a lot of songs i mean but at this moment it's funny uh, driving down the road, I sit there and I said, I was on my way up to Pennsylvania from Nashville and it came on and I mean, you know, I had the song blaring on the radio on the way <laughs> up there, you know, and, and I'm, and I'm sitting there, dog, doggone it, man, you know, this, and this is what I'd come across. I sit there and figured out, I said, you know what, I got to definitely reach out and, you know, and, uh, I, I had your old number and, and it was, uh, and it was, it wasn't like, obviously it was an old number. And I was like, I texted you and I was like, doggone it, man, I didn't hear back from him. I'm like, ah, cause I had met you in Hollywood a few years ago and it was, really cool, and I was like, man, this guy is absolutely, I saw you come up up northeast back in the 80s, and you, you rolled up through Philly and that area up there and everything else, and it was, it was like one of the most awesome concerts, and people were just talking about you, like, three hours afterwards until the place closed down, we were having drinks, so I want to say you were absolutely one of my favorite people to see live, um, I saw you and Huey Lewis the same year, and they were my two favorite concerts. You know, they were my two favorite concerts. I mean, and just the atmosphere that you bring for the place. And it and it's funny because I actually saw a construction company one day in you know in, in the eighties when your when your song came up big and uh that time for at this moment and the guys were singing your song on, on the site and dragging out your last couple of moments. It was god awful. But it was oh, that's it, cool, it, man. But it, but it was I'm telling you, they were singing your song out all through it, you know, and, you know, some of them couldn't sing with the damn, but it was hilarious seeing it happen. And it was in Allentown, Pennsylvania, man. You would, you just thought it was. They just brought the house, and we, a bunch of us to sit there and watch because they had the, you know, they had the big boombox on playing your song. Wow! So I wish I could have seen that. You know? <laughs> yeah, nobody had phones back then, buddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, to record it. But what do you got going on right now, my friend? Sorry. So what do you have going on right now? I mean, you have a book. You have a. I do timeless uh, album out. You know, tell us some of the things you got going on right now. Well, I'm doing a lot of these interviews, like I like 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 this one. Uh, people seem to be tracking me down lately a lot. <laughs> you know, uh, I guess I've reached the age now where they want to get me while I'm still here. You know. Hey, hey, hey! Look, look. I would have loved to have had you on prior to that, my friend. And Terrell says, I mean, everybody's he's kind of climbing over, but I was like, we're at our biggest part right now in 53 countries. So I'm happy. We just we just welcomed China to our list. So you're in 53 countries right now. And we're so grateful to have you. Oh, well, thank you, man, for having me. I appreciate it. Let me ask you a question here. Um, you know, a little bit of fun, a little bit of fun we have here with it. Back in the day, if you could put that way back machine, jump in that back to the future DeLorean, name a couple people you would have loved to have recorded with. That you that you didn't. Oh boy, let's see. Hmm. Couple males, couple females, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Gladys Knight. Ooh. One, you know, Gladys and I were born the same day and year, May twenty eighth, nineteen forty four. Happy belated yeah. birthday, by the way, my friend. That's what. Happy belated birthday, my friend. Well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's. A, I've always. Loved her singing, and I, I, I thought it would be really cool to, to record with her. So that, that's one that comes off the top of my head. That's awesome. Um, that is, she's just a that's a, that's a great one there. Give me a few more. When, when, when Ray Charles was doing his duets albums, I, I, I would have loved to have done one with him. I, I did get to, to, to record Ray. Uh, you know, I did four Lou Rawls albums as, as oh. a co-producer and producer. 
and uh, and we got we got uh, Lou to do a duet with Ray. Right. So that that was kind of fun to, to have those two together. And the Lou Rawls was, inc was incredible. I'm mean, incredible singer. I loved Lou Rawls. Yeah, he was he was great to work with. He he cut he cut seven of my songs. <laughs> he was very great for you. Great for the work. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. Well, you know, one of them, uh, Room with a View, has became a, a sort of a, a modern day blues uh, standard. So we got a lot of people on that: Johnny Adams and Eric Burden, and a whole bunch of people you never heard of. You know, recorded yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, bless their hearts, you know. <laughs> bless their hearts. Yes, right. You know, and how about a couple of females besides, uh, say, Gladys? I love that you threw Gladys. Nobody's ever thrown Gladys out there, and I'm a huge Gladys fan, so you mean, give me another male or female you'd love to have recorded with. Well, it would have been fun to record with Dolly, of course. That right. would have been really cool. I just, I just love her, and, and she's about the nicest person you ever want to meet in show business, yes, on top sir. of that. I always say she's one of those ones that's too nice for show business. <laughs> yeah, you know, when she, when we did, these guys did a documentary on me, you know, uh, called Harlem to Hollywood. Yes, sir. You, you can see it on Amazon Prime, and it was named after my, my memoir, which, you know, also called Harlem to Hollywood. And uh, Dolly was, was kind enough to go into her own studio down in Nashville and, and record you know, some kind words about me and about about the song. I really got the feeling. And, uh, and so, you know, I mean, how many people on her level of stardom would take the time to do that? You know, that was pretty great. Right, yeah, she's she's absolutely a sweetheart. And, um, you know, she doesn't do it unless she means it, that she's that kind of woman, so you know she means it. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, so I think that's that's really remarkable. What about today? Is there somebody out there today, Billy, that you would say, man, I, I could dig doing a song with them? You know, I'm I'm embarrassed to say that I, I don't really listen to much new music. No, nah, that's, that's kind of, you, know, you know, give or take us, you know, I mean, it's kind of kind of me, depending on who it is, you know, <laughs> I'm selective. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm these days I've been listening to a lot of uh, old Louis Armstrong records. Ooh, you know, Satchmo, really? <laughs> from the 30s, you know, those really old ones he made. Yes, sir. Where'd you get a hold of those, man? <laughs> well, they're, everything's out on CD now, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I, so I, I got these complete Louis Armstrong from the 1920s and 30s records. I just listened to him. His, his, his trumpet playing is incredible. Yes, sir. And his singing is totally unique. Uh, you know, so I really dig him, and of course, I I listen a lot to Duke Ellington and Count Basie. Wow, these days, man. My mother took me to see Count Basie once when I was young. That's crazy, really. That's awesome. How old were you? And that blew me away, man. All that that sound coming off the stage, just like a wave from the ocean, you know, just coming at you, man. It was just amazing. Right. How old were you? Oh, I must in my teenage. I was a teenager at the time. Did you? Were you old enough to appreciate it? Oh yeah, yeah. Because I, like I said, I you know she had been bringing that older music right. home all the time, and I would always listen to what she brought. And I, you know, I, I like I said at the same time, I'm listening to to Fats Domino and Chuck Berry. I'm listening to Frank Sinatra too. 
know. Right, right, right. And you know, and I'll tell you what, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna wind this up quick here for a second. We'll just play a couple fire away questions at you and sit there and see what you think. A little bit of fun we have here. Just it is I asked a couple of them. And and for you today, dinner and dancing or a movie? Well, I like both, uh, but I, but there's there's nothing like holding hands in the movie show. There you go, man. My, my mom's gonna dig that one because she still calls it a movie show, so she's gonna dig that one all by itself. I love that that you did that. <laughs> Steak or lobster? Say that again. Steak or lobster? I I think uh, generally I, I prefer steak. Yeah, me too. Um, you scotch or bourbon? I don't drink. I'm a I'm a Pepsi Cola man. Okay. Oh, oh, you just went to the other side. Uh oh. <laughs> especially, especially now, you know that that Pepsi has come out with Pepsi Cola with real sugar instead of that fructose junk. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, that that's the positive to all of it, man. Is getting the real sugar back in the soda for sure, without a doubt. Yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna just fun Superman or Batman. I think um I, I, there's there's a there's a darkness about the Batman movies and uh, that I kind of like. I, I dig it. That's awesome. And uh, what do you want to say to your fans, Billy, out there? I mean, you know, all these years, I mean, your music stands up. I mean, you know, Timeless is the CD, man. I suggest everybody go out and check it out without a doubt uh, on there. But what do you want to say to your fans, my friend? Well, um, I, I just want to tell my fans how grateful I am for everybody sticking by me for over 50 years and, uh, you know, and still liking my music and and, and buying my records and coming to see me and the boys play. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm, most, I'm the most grateful guy in Hollywood. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I, I think you're one of the guys that comes across, whether you watch you on a video or you watch you in person, that just seems like one of the most legit cats out there that, uh, you know, you just kind of you kind of walk in and you do your business and then, you know, you, you you could be you could be the guy over there as my mom says having a soda water relaxing talking to friends. It's kind of like you know that's kind of how it seems like with you. You go up, you blow the stage away, and you come back down, and then you're kind of like chilling out like the cat that just came in. Well, you know, you know who's like that. I I did a movie with Willie Nelson some years ago, and uh, and and, he, and we kind of hit it off, and and he he invited me to come to you know a couple of his shows. And and I, I saw how he was too. You know, he's he's exactly the same way. You know, he comes out, he comes out of the bus, and he just the people just talk to him. You know, and he talks back to him. It's not like uh, it's not like you know I'm I'm this this big shot and, and uh, you know and, and I'll be I'll be glad to sign your little autograph and walk away quick. You know, he's not like that. He'll engage with him, and so I, I've always done that too. You know, after the show, I'll I'll stand around and you know, yeah. you know, people line up for to buy your CDs or for your autographs or whatever, and, and I'll just stay as long as there's somebody on the line. I'll stay there, man. That, that's part of the job. Right, and I and I love that. I mean, that's, that shows that shows you appreciate it. Real quick, tell us about your book, A Dollop of Toothpaste. Well, that I, I you know after I wrote after I wrote Harlem to Hollywood, which is you know all about my life. And then I then I wrote another one called Rip It Up, uh, the specialty record story, which is a, a book that I was asked to write uh, about that company that found Little Richard and Sam Cooke.
Cook and Lloyd Price. Oh, Sam Cook! Oh my I God, said, you just hit my heart. Well, maybe, right I, maybe I could write a maybe I could write a novel, you know, some fiction. Yes, sir. And 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 it was one morning. This is going to sound weird, but one morning, the whole first scene, uh, I woke up seeing that in my head. You know, which I won't describe, but it's it's a, a terrible thing that happens, uh, and uh, and it, it kicks off the story, and and then one by one the characters, it, it was as if they just came and knocked on my door, rang my doorbell, and said, "I'm here," you know, tell my story, and uh, and and that's how the book got written. Wow. You know, it just it was it was almost surreal the way it happened <clears throat> but uh, it, it's it, it's basically a it's basically it's part it's part mafia you know something that I was very familiar with having grown up in New York nightclub <laughs> yeah you know and and uh, and also it's part political satire I don't take sides I make fun of of both sides I love that. That's awesome by itself. I'm an equal yeah. opportunist, man. I'm an equal opportunist. I throw rocks at everybody. <laughs> That's right. And, and and then there's a love story, a very strange love story, but it, it, a love story is part of it. And there's a lot of love in the book. You know, it's our, our hero, Johnny, his uncle is the head of the New Orleans Mafia. And and there's it's it's not your typical mafia story. It, it, it's I try to show the human side of these people. And, and what they're like when they're not out, you know, murdering people. <laughs> you know, and then then there's the love between, you know, Johnny and Paulette, the girl. Yes, sir. And then there's also his 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 uh, guitar tech on the road. He's, he's a guitar player. Uh, it's, it's guy Pete. And, uh, and, and Pete is a, a, a black guy, a, an ex-Navy SEAL, who kind of... He and Johnny are really tight friends, and when when they're off the road, uh, you know, they go to they go to Pete's mother's house, and and, uh, and they're big characters in the in the book also. So there's there's a lot of warmth between these these people that you might not ordinarily expect to to, to have or to see. Yes, sir. Well, I'll tell you what I mean. You know, I mean, I suggest everybody go out and. Get from Harlem to Hollywood to to go get you know take out a dollar of two faced uh, book. I mean, and obviously go get your CD Timeless because I mean, like I said, I do think your voice is timeless. I think that's one of the best titles I've heard, and I appreciate so much you taking the time to come on the Lifebox Media Channel today. It has been such a pleasure. Please come back on again. You're welcome anytime, sir. You know, I mean. You, without a doubt, or, you know, it's sharing your stories, I mean, of going back. I mean, geez, you just dropped a bunch more names. I'm Sam Cook, and you just lost me right there. <laughs> so I, so I, I can go on about Sam Cook all day. I mean, so, uh, you know, that is just, it's been such a pleasure having you on. And, uh, you know, where can everybody find you on social media? Uh, com is my website. And, uh, and I'm on Facebook, and uh, I'm on Twitter, and and uh, I think that's, a, oh, Instagram, I'm on there too. So Yes. And you, you can track me down, you YouTube. know, hunt me down like the dog that I am. 
and YouTube and Spotify and all those. You guys make sure to go follow Billy Vera. And, uh, man, thank you for celebrating our 300 celebrity interview. Man, I couldn't ask for, uh, I mean, man, we, we just, you know, we had BJ Thomas for 150th. We had Randy Travis for 200th. Man, to have you for a 300 is just absolutely just, you're just keeping it, keeping it alive just like that. And I really appreciate it, man. You have no idea. I'm happy to see you're getting back on tour. Um, is this going to be, you're going to break into a bunch of dates soon? No, we, you know, because the, the problem is with a band our size, it's just too expensive to trick to tour. Right. And that's, that's always been a problem. You know, I, I didn't want to use, you know, a bunch of cheap, you know, inexpensive musicians. I, I wanted to use the best guys that I had, I could find in right. LA and those guys cost money. And, you know, it, it's just financially impossible to, to tour. So we, we just generally play around home. I, I do go back to New York generally once a year and do, do a gig there. You know, for the homies. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Do you, you miss New York besides the, the snow? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of the snow, but I, I was just back there actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, my friend uh, Bob Porter, a jazz producer, and uh, he's he's a DJ on the number one uh, jazz station in in, uh, in, uh, in New York. He just passed away, so his wife uh, threw a, a, a memorial for him and. And she invited uh, some of Bob's favorite musicians to come and perform. So I got to I got to sing my song "Room with a View" with with the great drummer Bernard Purdy and wow. and Duke Duke Robillard from the Room Full of Blues, and uh, and also uh, the great uh, tenor jazz tenor saxophone Houston Person. So that was that was an awful lot of fun, even though it was a sad event. So I, I, stay, I was back there for about a week, and I got to see a bunch of my old friends, which I always enjoy a lot. Well, I'll tell you what, again, I thank you so much, and, and, and huge respect on your career. Like I said, you're welcome back anytime um, to celebrate the 300 celebrity episode. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Billy Vera, go check him out everywhere, billyvera.com. If he comes to town, without a doubt, you have to see this man in concert because he will rock the house and blow the roof off the place. Thank you so much. It has been an honor and a privilege to have you on. And like I said, please don't be a stranger. Stay in touch, sir. And you have a safe, wonderful day. Well, thank you. For, thanks again for having me. And, and again, thanks. Uh, congratulations on your 300th episode. That's a pretty, pretty great thing, man. Thank you, Bill. Well, anytime you want me, brother. Thank you so much. Ladies and gentlemen, Lifebox Media Channel, Billy Vera, we are out.